Hello, everybody, and welcome back to The Differential. This week, we have a special episode to keep your minds occupied during the international break. Right now, we all get a break from worrying about our starting lineups, and we get a chance to sit back and take some great international games in that essentially mean nothing. On this episode, we're joined by a special guest and great friend of mine, Calder Schechterson. Our goal is to take your mind off of Fantasy Premier League and give you some fun stories and insights into why we love this game so much. So sit back and enjoy this special episode, and thank you again for tuning in. All right, so first off the bat, Calder, thank you very much for joining me. Love being here, Brandon. Thank you for having me on. Not a problem. So I thought it would be a lot of fun... Since there's no Premier League on, everybody's just kind of sitting and waiting for the league to start back up again. We'll get something to fill the void that's left by all of your favorite players being out on international duty. So let's do something a little bit different and tell some stories here. We'll uh, share with the people that are listening a little bit about how we got into this league that we love so much, why we're following it 24-7 and why it just generally makes our lives a little bit better when we get to sit down on the weekends, bright and early in the U.S., and watch our favorite teams play. So obviously, I'm sure anyone that's listened to the pod so far is familiar that I am a Manchester United fan, and I'm sure that they'll be happy to know that I'm not straying too far from the path with guests and getting another Manchester United fan on here. Isn't that right? That's You are spot on. Go United. Absolutely. Go United. I hope that um, we can start off with a great topic about what actually got you into the Premier League in the first place. I feel like a lot of people that are playing fantasy Premier League, obviously they have favorite teams and they love the league. There's millions and millions of players that are playing every single season. So let's just kind of share with the people why we love this league so much. Do you want to go ahead and tell us how you got into the into the league? Definitely, yeah. Yeah. Um... Good morning, everybody. And yeah, go Manchester United fans. Peter, uh, quick side note, let's hope we beat Spurs this weekend, but we'll talk more about that later. Yeah, so obviously, um, I have a lifelong friend. I've known him for over 15 years, my buddy James Hoare. He's a true Brit, but he's a dual citizen. He was born in England, moved to the States when I think he was going into like kindergarten, first grade. Um, I grew up, if anyone doesn't know, I grew up in Chevy Chase, right? It's out of DC and moved to New York going into second grade. And James was really my first friend, and uh, yeah, I mean, we would hang out a lot as, you know, kids and, you know, water gun fights, Legos, you name it, and then probably, you know, the summer of 2006 and seven in middle school, um, I just noticed he had all this soccer apparel, the red kind of stuck to me, you know, the the, the United logo, and um, I think I just asked him, like, you know, what is this? And he said, well, you know, I'm a Manchester United fan, um, my mom's from England, and my he has a lot of family in Manchester, his uncle and cousins. So he kind of like, you know, was born into the club, which is what happens and you stick with it. So yeah, I kind of just started to watch. I mean, if you think about it, what's a better time to become a United fan than during those years in the early to mid 2000s with like all those, you know, Rooney and De Gea and Van Persie and Evra and everyone on that dream team squad and then Sir Alex. So I started watching every game and then my older two steps, really my sisters, my two older sisters, they played soccer in high school. I'd go watch them. And then my dad got into Premier League and he's a Liverpool fan. So obviously he loved um, being indoctrinated when it was like the Brendan Rodgers and, and Suarez 
um, you know, era. So that's what really got me into the game. Um, that's why I love soccer. I love Manchester United. I stick with them. And um, yeah, and then I remember it was funny. I think like, I, you, I don't know if you remember this, but one of my first meetings with the Fi Caps when I was looking to join, um, we ended and I basically, I think went up to you and I think maybe Brandon Holt and, Dave, and Peter and I was like, oh, I'm a United fan. They're like, oh, well, yeah, well, let's let this guy in. You know, better than Josh Thompson with the Chelsea Blue. But um, yeah, so oh, that's, yeah. that's, 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 uh, and then to be in a group in college, you know, we would watch the games. I don't know also if you remember this, but I think it was like 20, gosh, I think it was, remember spring of 2015. I think that was year junior year. And that was my sophomore year. We had our formal at Martin's West. And the next morning, that was when Mata, I think, had that famous goal against Liverpool, like that almost uh, bicycle kick. And I yeah. think you might have been there with me. I was watching with you guys after we were pretty tired and we were like, let's go. And, you know, Kevin Rosenthal was pissed throwing it, you know, stuff the garbage can. But, uh, yeah, so that's my story. And I have to say now I love saying this, that soccer is my favorite sport of all time. Like it's soccer, then it's football, then it's basketball. And uh, it's really – I mean, I've probably come to really understand it is the world sport. But, yeah, so that's my story. Go Manchester United. And um, I'm, I'm happy to be a fan. And to have stayed with it for so long and to continue to do so. Yeah, who could forget the uh, famous Juan Field with that nice little scissor kick against Liverpool giving us the win. That, yeah. was, that was incredible. I'll never forget that day. It's always nice to watch those games yeah. around your friends, other people that support other teams, and nice to get one up on them after uh, you know losing a few times. Especially now, we got to think back to those good memories because we're not exactly doing the best anymore. <laughs> so yeah, it's, no, not not too much. Yeah, it's definitely it was definitely a great time, um, and it seems like it's it's kind of funny that there's not a whole lot of people that you meet in the U.S. that are fans of soccer. So a lot of times when people are really into the league, they have stories that are pretty similar to yours where they're learning about the sport at an early age or they have a friend that's British or international from some other country that kind of gets them into the sport because otherwise we're so used to growing up with basketball and football and yeah. every other sport. So you never think that soccer is going to be high up on the priority list for Americans, but it's awesome to get into it so young and it's great that it stays with you and it makes that your favorite sport. So I'm obviously a Manchester United fan as well. My favorite player is the reason that I got into the Premier League and that's good old Rude Van Nisselrooy. When he, jo <laughs> when he joined Manchester United from PSV in 2001, that's the yep. first soccer jersey that I've ever owned in my entire life. I wore that wow. thing proudly. I still have it. It still fits you. me miraculously. Nice. And yeah, I'll never forget. I was sitting on eBay back when eBay was huge. I and <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know it's still around, but eBay was so prevalent. And I was sitting there just waiting to win this bid for a Rude Van Nisselrooy jersey before I actually knew that I could buy jerseys on Amazon or any other places online. And so I ended right. up winning this bid. And I was so happy and I waited every day for this jersey to show up. And then I don't think I took it off for like a week. And it's a great jersey. The old one with the Vodafone logo mm -hmm. back when they were still the sponsor. And hey, not a bad sponsor to have, you know. <laughs> no, absolutely not. And then you'd wear it around and people were like, what is Vodafone? Because that doesn't exist in the U.S. Right. And, and so I would wear it and it was awesome. And it was from the 2003-2004 season. And... 
Rude Van Nistelrooy was just a stud. I mean, he played 150 games for Manchester United, scored 95 goals. So mm-hmm. an incredible record. The guy was always scoring, always was full of passion. Also, not to mention one of the most handsome players to ever put on a jersey for any team. Um, but yeah, it's always it's always been Manchester United, and that got me into the Premier League, and it was cool because once you start following a player, you start to learn about the team that he plays for, you start researching the history, you start looking yeah. about the teams they're playing, everybody else, and it just got me into this game, and I thought, wow, it's awesome that there's a sport that's always constantly on, the season is long, they never seem to stop. Even when the season's over, they're playing preseason. There's internationals. There's the World Cup. There's the Euros. There's everything. Yep. And you get to follow your players around and do, you know, be fans all year round. That's something that we don't get in the U.S. with, you know, right. fo- football, for example. And it nice, it, you know, it kind of plays nicely with the way that American sports seasons are laid out because mm-hmm. you always have something that you can watch. And right. So that's why I uh, got into Manchester United, and as soon as I fell in love with one player they uh quickly became the team for me and so it's just been it's been great following them i'll be a fan for as long as i live and i'm really 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 happy i'll hope one day that i get the chance to go over there and visit old trafford i know that you've already been able to do that (laughs) i mean it was i i know we like to sometimes do like these little sports comparisons so if anyone hasn't well i don't know if anyone's seen the movie moneyball it's with um, it's about the Oakland A's and Billy Bean and and it's a great film, really well done um, with Brad Pitt. And it's like the last scene of the movie. He goes to Fenway. Now Fenway, I hate the Red Sox, but it's iconic. And he gets there, and this it's this moment where he's walking, and he's like, "Wow, like this is just so pristine." And I remember I was there with my friend James. It was his fourth tour. It was funny because he's you know other friends have gone, but walking out of like the actual players' tunnel. And it was just, I mean, I literally, I was like, I'm in heaven. I mean, it's like the theater of dreams. It was a pristine sunny day after rain. I mean, to be on the pitch and stand, and to be standing where Sir Alex has been, has stood, be by that box and be like this history. I mean, it is, it, it, it really is, you know, it's my favorite stadium in the world. I mean, it's just, it's beautiful. And it's nice to know, I think that, you know, because of its size and, and what's there, you know, they're never going to knock it down. I, I highly doubt that Woodward and anyone's going to be like, we need like a new Spurs stadium or anything like that. I mean, I hope that they always have old Trafford because, you know, but I, I agree. You definitely should go. And, and I love it, man, the, the, the history and everything the club has, it's just, it's iconic. It really is. Yeah. If you have the resources or the time or the opportunity, absolutely go to your favorite team stadium. I, uh, I'm saying that as if I've done it, I haven't, but I really, really want to, uh, I was supposed to go to England back in March of this year, but I think everybody knows what happened starting in March of this year. Yep. All that pesky virus is really, uh, messing up a lot of plans. So we're going to put that out on the back burner and, um, hopefully one day I'll be able to get there, but especially for all the listeners that we have over in Europe, I know it's a little bit more accessible. Um, but I would highly recommend going to a game. If you haven't, it's a lot different than watching on TV. It's great to be with all similar like-minded individuals at a stadium, all cheering, all chanting together and willing your team on to win. Right. One of the other things that seems to happen, and I don't know if this happens around the rest of the world, but at least in the U S it seems that people have multiple teams. 
So mm-hmm. there's always one team that's always, you know, going to have a special place in your heart. And that's obviously Manchester United for the both of us. But a lot of times people have second favorite teams. So mm-hmm. when, when you got into the Premier League in Manchester United, was there any other team that, you know, caught your eye either from a lower division or also in the Premier League that you decided to keep an eye on as well and start following? Yeah, yeah, great question. It's funny. I, I got up at 5 a.m. this morning. I was hyped it was Friday. I'm going up state. I have a big kind of new path professionally, and I'm going to be with my girlfriend, Alexa. Shout out to you. Um, but I was on YouTube drinking my coffee, um, and I remember my senior year of college, 2017, I remember watching the last Saturday game at White Hart Lane against our United. And I literally, not even being a Spurs fan, but a soccer fan and a Premier League fan, I got goosebumps. I mean, hearing that stadium, the iconic Spurs chant, you know, um, there's this phenomenal video. If anyone hasn't seen it, please look it up. It's called Farewell to White Hart Lane. It's with Sir Kenneth Brana, who a phenomenal actor. He's been in um, uh, Dunkirk and other films, and he's a huge Spurs fan. And they take you from the founding of the club in 1899 until now, and you see these, you know, iconic goals from Buffon, Gareth Bale, Song. Um, people don't realize this, but Spurs, I mean, you know, you, it really was like white goal lane. I mean, they, I think in the early 2000s, beat Wigan 9-1, you know, the Chelsea's 5-1, you know, the draws with 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 any other club 4-4. Um, so it kind of caught my eye, and my dad was fortunate enough to go to White Hart Lane once, and he actually met, so I don't know, many people in here might know this, but for us here in the States, they have this cool thing where if you go to a game and you sit in a box suite, you have like a dinner before the match. So you go and you meet players and it's like a little info session. He actually shook Christian Erickson's hand before Erickson became big. And I was like, wow, man, like don't wash your hands again. And he said it was just amazing being at White Hart Lane. I think they lost to Chelsea 5-3. But Spurs really caught my eye, you know, with their tradition. Um, you know, the players that have come out of there, they've won, you know, eight um, FA Cups. Um, their last one came in 1991. They've won four EFL Cups, two UEFA's, and one European. That was 1962-63. Um, obviously, at the new stadium, I think it's gorgeous. And and it was definitely, I think, you know, a good decision to rebuild that ground, even though I don't want us to rebuild our ground. Um, but, yeah, they kind of caught my eye. I mean, you know, one of my good friends, I don't know if you ever knew him from college, Ben England. He went to yep. McDaniel. He's a huge Spurs fan. I love Ben, and he's very – energetic about it and he has you know i have to say too okay besides our kits which i love i think spurs have the best kits in the league besides us i mean the iconic you know the blue and white um but yeah they've really caught my eye and look they're a club i've talked about this i mean you know between the last five years they should definitely have had a premier league trophy by now especially with mopo i'm reaching because he would have been a great guy to just win it with win it with obviously he left um but yeah that's probably the second club you know that kind of caught my eye their history, tradition, um, they do a lot for that community. I didn't know this, but actually I found out that Tottenham is one of the poorest, you know, neighborhoods in London, in North London. So they do a lot for, you know, the young kids there in the hospitals. Um, and especially, as you saw with Old Trafford, which was really nice with, you know, the NHS, the National Health System, they used um, the new stadium for Spurs as a testing ground and a housing facility. So I would say Spurs are a second club that kind of got my eye. Definitely glad I stuck with United. I'm not, I'm not leaving. But um, it's been fun to watch them. And obviously, one of their greatest is coming back, uh, Gareth Bale. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, Tottenham has always been a, a pretty decent club for me. I don't really have any hatred towards them. I think they've had 
great players throughout their time in the Premier League, especially they've had a couple Americans that have come through there as well. Yeah. Never forget Clint Dempsey in there. Um, yeah, and always. even uh, I saw an iconic goal from uh, Jurgen Clemson when he was there. Uh, he oh, was, that's he awesome. Was, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I know for me, I was kind of more attracted to the underdog type story when I was looking at a second team. And anybody that knows me personally knows that I have a, a lot of love for Sheffield United. Oh, yeah, me too. <laughs> absolutely, up the blades. And they're going to be my second team forever. And I really, really like them. When I started following Manchester United super heavily all the way back in 2004, we had Sheffield United up in the league in 2006. And yep. it was really nice to see them with some people that are still at the club now, with Phil Jagielka especially, who has had a great, great time in the Premier League, made his way right. around to Everton, did some great things with there, and now he's back home, so to speak. Yep. And Sheffield United, they were up in the Premier League, and then unfortunately they left. And so I always kept an eye on them, and I think it makes it a little bit easier when you have multiple teams if they're in different divisions in a country because you can root for one and you know that the two teams that you like aren't going to play each other. And now they're back in the Premier League, which is awesome. They were gone for so long, and they're finally back. And there was times where I would follow Sheffield United, and I was genuinely worried they were never going to make it out of league one yeah and then they really turned it around with chris wilder as the manager because he's done some wow. incredible things with them and there was a stretch there especially from it was 2011 to 2016 17 season where they were in league one the entire time and i was like they're too good for this league they always seem to make it to the playoff spots and then drop out at the last second or they lose in the playoffs, and we're yeah. never going to get out of this division. And then, miraculously, 2016-17 season, they ended up getting 100 points in League One, winning, making it up to the championship, and then everyone thought, you know, well, if they weren't good enough to get out of the League One in the past six years they were in there, maybe they'll struggle in the championship. Two seasons in, yeah. ba back in the Premier League, everyone thought they were going back down, and then last season they finished in ninth, which is incredible for a team that everybody from day one said nope you're done you're going back down and i'm really happy for them hasn't started off they haven't started off the season really well they haven't got a win yet but i think it's just around the corner I, i'm really hoping that they bounce back but they're they're gonna forever be the second team and yeah. i i couldn't be more happy to support them they're one of the teams that do it right they have a lot of homegrown talent they're not going oh, yeah. after flashy players and and big names so yeah just a nice little underdog story and one that's always got a, got a place in my heart. Uh, I like it. And that's, I mean, look, one more point on this. And I think why soccer is just, it's incredible. And I mean, who would ever thought that Leicester city would have won that title? You know, it was at 4,000 or something to one. And like, oh, yeah. you can see them like shock the world. I mean, look, people say, well, United was bad. Chelsea was bad, but you know, at the end of the day, like they played, I mean, they played well, who can forget those games, Leicester, Everton, West, or West Ham, that were like the four threes, the five twos, Vardy. I mean, again, you know, that is something that's like a once in a lifetime privilege to see as a fan. You know, oh. that like, you know, that may never happen for another, you know, 30 or 50 years. But I mean, that was, I mean, I had no hatred towards them. I was like, you know what? That's great. They got a title. They deserve it. And it's not just another, you know, city or, or, 
or Liverpool title, or I wish we had one, but you know, it was, it was meant to be for them and it was well-deserved. Oh yeah. From a fan point of view, that's everything that you want to see for the sport that you like. They were incredible the entire season. I mean, who would have known that Jamie Vardy would come out there and do what he did that season. Riyad Mahrez broke out completely. Oh, their I partnership their partnership was insane. Yeah. And don't forget, they also had N'Golo Kante, who eventually mm-hmm. went to Chelsea. Like Their mm-hmm. squad was amazing. People but stepped yeah. up from the back that you didn't think. You know, you had good old Captain West Morgan, Captain Morgan in the yeah. back, shutting it down. Robert yeah. Huth, all these players that you really didn't think were that good, and they were shutting people out left and right. And right. a special mention to Jamie Vardy broke the record that was held for so long by Rude Van Nistelrooy, my favorite player, yes. for most consecutive games scored in a Premier League season. And, of course, he broke the record against United. And, mm-hmm. you know, that was okay because he was really playing a completely different game than the rest of the league in that yeah. season and was just incredible. So, yes, as a as a neutral fan... That was something that I really enjoyed. And big shout out to Eden Hazard for taking the title away from Spurs with that goal and Uh, (laughs) and giving Leicester the league that season. So it was awesome. But after this, we'll take a little bit of a break and we'll come back and we will talk about something that has been done a million times, but it's still fun to do. We'll talk about a dream starting 11. If we could put together a team of Premier League legends that could all start in one team, plus a manager, who would it be? We'll be right back after this break. Alright, so welcome back. Now we're going to go through, Calder and I, we're going to talk about if we could have a Dream 11 out Mm -hmm. of everyone that's ever played in the Premier League, who would it be? We'll take you through what our formations will be, who's going to fill those spots, and what manager you think would get the best out of them. You want to go ahead and start, Calder? Thank you, yes. So uh, I guess I'll do manager. Now, obviously, this won't be a huge shock to Brandon and I. Um, but if I think about all the managers, you know, and probably to be fair, like I didn't want to choose someone that I don't really know. I wanted to choose someone that I've like, I've stuck to just knowing the league, you know, I've been able to watch, read about. Um, so, I mean, you know, it's hard to turn this guy down. You know, I would even pick him for, I would pick him for any soccer team in the world. Like with any league, I have to go with Sir Alex Ferguson. I mean, he, I mean, he was like the face of not only English football, but not only European, but like world football for what, 20 plus years. I mean, all those trophies, the the 98 tremble, um, his energy, his finesse, you know, the way he was able to build some of the greatest players that we have seen in the history of the game. Um, And not only to do that, but as you see a lot, you know, he had a dream team, but like they were successful, you know, look at the Browns last year, they have Odell and all these players, they they aren't, they weren't that great, but I mean, he was able to just, you know, unite these guys for United club. Um, So I would have to go with Sir Alex and good health to him. I know he's had some health issues, but I think he's doing okay. So um, I I, I think he was at a few of the games during the COVID when they came back, but I'm going to go after Sir Alex. Um, I'll start from the top and work my way down. So I'm doing a two, 
244 formation. Um, this is probably my favorite player of all time. Um, I call you know uh, Wayne. My nickname for him is Wayne the Bull Rooney. Um, if you think about you know what he's done, Manchester United from 2004 to 2017, you know 393 appearances, 183 goals. England's all-time leading goal score with 53, 120 caps. That's second most behind Peter Shilton. He's won five Premier League trophies. You know, all-time goals for United with 253. I didn't even realize this, but he has the record, I think, still for most Premier League away goals at 94. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I I didn't know that. I had to go with Rooney. Uh, My second choice, you'll recognize this name for my photo, is Alan Shearer. Um, Iconic. You know, he's a guy that I would have loved to, like, grab a drink with at a pub watching his highlight reels, what he's done for the game and for where he was at. Um, Very impressive. I'll go to my forwards. Okay, so this is a guy that I didn't really know about until a few years ago. And if anyone doesn't, you should look him up. He's one of the iconics in the game. He only stayed with one club, and it's a club that we've talked about that's struggled, but I think we say has a lot of potential. And that's uh, Matthew Atissier. Um, He was AK the God. He played for Southampton for over 20 years. Scored, I think, you know, he had over 200 appearances, many goals. He scored their last ever goal at their old stadium before they moved to the new St. Mary's field. Um, he's a really iconic player. I think he does some telecasting now, but Matthew, it's this year. Next, I'm going to have to go with Yaya Torre um, from City. Great guy. I mean, you talk about the De Bruyne's and all of them. Well, Yaya Torre was there before all those new players. He really built that club up. Um, my third choice, a name we know and a, and a guy that I loved meeting in person and seeing on the pitch here is Pat Patrice Vieira. He was with Arsenal when Vanga was there during their golden era. Um, great goal scorer. And then my fourth pick, Paul Scholes. Um, I love Scully. Um, he has a lot, he's very you know, vocal about the United situation now. So those are my four um, midfielders. Uh, to the defenders, uh, my first choice, they have a great pub in the city after this guy, Jamie Carragher, um, Liverpool, um, you know, great physicality, a good team player, giving it all he's got. My second choice is Rito Ferdinand, one of the golden class players at United. Uh, Vincent Company for, you know, when he was on City. And then I had to put in a Chelsea player, John Terry, um, who I really admire. And then going with my goalie, I know we've talked a lot about this guy. I don't have him on my fantasy anymore, but I think my heart will always be my favorite goalkeeper of all time because I started watching him so young, and that was before NYCFC and Sean Johnson is David De Gea. No matter what happens, guys, you know, who can forget, you know, De Gea playing during the golden era of United, the acrobatic stops, you know, how he's really, you know, galvanized that club. You know, I, I personally, I give him maybe three years left and, and I don't think he goes anywhere else. I think he retires, you know, and he'll maybe be a, an assistant. Maybe he'll do some work. Um, maybe he'll go to Spain and maybe not play, but maybe he'll manage, you know, he can still get maybe some caps with the Spanish national team and the next world cup. So that's my starting lineup. Um, the only person I want to give a shout out to that I would put on here that I didn't was Sir Bobby Charlton, a United great, you know, um, Sadly, you know, the, the Munich air disaster, terrible tragedy in February, I think of 1953, he survived the plane crash, but you know, he's getting up in age. I think he's still around and, and he, uh, you know, he, for me was probably the biggest figure ever at United. And then it became Sir Alex and all those guys. So go Sir Bobby. That's my starting lineup. And, uh, I love making these dream teams. It's a lot of fun. 
and it's good to think about, you know, why not only why you have the player, but what's the story behind, you know, behind their their soccer life. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. That's a fantastic lineup. And I'm not going to lie to you. Um, when you first started, I was a little bit scared that our squads were going to be identical. And, <laughs> and hey, great minds think alike, man. Yeah, absolutely. And just as a note, we didn't compare our notes before recording this at all. So when you we started, when you started out, we had three of the exact same players, and then you started going in, and I said, "Oh I no, know. oh no." So for me, I absolutely, I'm going to go with a formation of a three-four-three. So I'm going to make the defense a little bit light just because there's so many exciting attacking players and midfield <laughs> options that I could have chose from. And when you do your research on things like this, you realize how many great players have played in this Premier League. So oh, it's really hard to choose. But starting at the back with my back three, first of all, before I even go into defenders, I should start with a goalkeeper, I would imagine. So <laughs> if I start with a goalkeeper, I've got to go with Petr Cech from Chelsea. Oh, I agree. Great choice. Right. So I was going back and forth whether or not I wanted Vandersar, I wanted Peter Schmeichel. I didn't know. Eventually, I could have picked an entire team of just Manchester United players, but you can't do that. <laughs> no, so, no. right. So I think Petr Cech deservedly gets a spot in this dream team. I mean, he made over 600 career appearances in the Premier League. The man's a legend. His shot stopping ability is second to none. Absolutely a Chelsea legend. And then people shouldn't forget that he left Chelsea and went to Arsenal and made over a hundred appearances for them. And there wasn't a whole lot of animosity towards him, even though going across town to arguably a rival, I don't know how much they're rivals these days, but he went to Arsenal and still did a great job for them, even though he was coming to the end of his career. So I think, you know, winning the champions league with Chelsea was a great honor. He's just a phenomenal goalkeeper. So that's why he edges out some of the other people that might've been a little bit more obvious, but, I yep. think you can't you can't go wrong with Petr Cech. Well deserved. Yeah. I think that for my defenders, my back three, unfortunately or fortunately, two out of three are from Manchester United. I think the best duo for defenders that the Premier League has ever seen is Rio Ferdinand and Nemanja Vidic. So mm. there's not as there's not much that you can't say about these guys. Nemanja Vidic is one of my favorite defenders of all time. I mean, yeah. he was at United during the golden years of yeah. Sir Alex. He won three Premier League titles, three League Cups, Community Shields, a Champions League, Club World Cup. Oh my goodness. The guy was insane. He was not afraid to put his head on the ball no matter if there was someone's foot that was swinging at it. He would readily get bloodied and beat up and put his heart on the field to start putting out clean sheets and defending for his life. And he was yeah. just an amazing player. I know there's been a lot of comparison, at least last year about Virgil van Dyke being better than Nemanja Vidic. I think we need to give that at least a few years before we start to make comparisons. I yeah. I think, I think Nemanja Vidic is just incredible. There are so many pictures you can see. If you just go onto Google and, and look him up right now, where you're just going to see his face covered in blood because he's not afraid to put his head in. Right. And yeah. he, there's second to none. And it was sad when he left and he, went to Inter Milan, but, you know, I think it was time. His legs were starting to go. And I don't think there's anybody that could have been a better partner for him than Rio Ferdinand. Mm -hmm. Rio Ferdinand was who he was because he had Nemanja Vidic. He was a great defender in his own right, but putting those two together as center backs, that was a wall when we were playing under Sir Alex. And so those two very much deservedly get 
into my squad. I did think about putting John Terry in there, but for my other option to round out the back three, I have a Chelsea person in here. I have Ashley Cole. Oh, love Cole. Good Ashley check. Cole, exactly. And you would know him as well. He ended up going to the MLS for a little bit, so I'm sure you uh, got to keep an eye on him when he was playing in the U.S. But oh, yeah. he was he was there with Chelsea through everything. I mean, he won the Champions League with them in 2011-12 season. He was a runner-up when uh, Manchester United beat them. Cough, cough. Um, <laughs> and he was he was great. I mean, in the times where people were thinking that La Liga was the best league in the world, he was arguably one of the best defenders in world football for a number of seasons. So I think that he absolutely deserves a spot in the team. And then I have some honorable mentions as well. Just probably just one for this, but a person that plays for a team that I actively dislike and that's Manchester city, but it's gotta be Vincent company. Uh, um, company. Yeah. Yeah. Vincent company, a joined city in 2008, which is way before the good years before they started, uh, you know, just dropping billions on a squad. And yeah. he stayed with the club. They gave him the nickname Captain Marvel. I think he earned mm-hmm. it for a reason. He's a great player. I'll, you know, the some of the goals that he's scored, some of the big games that he's played in, um, regardless of the team that he plays for and my feelings towards them, he's a he's a great player. Yeah. Uh, so I think at least an honorable mention didn't quite make the cut for my squad, but he's in there so we can talk about him. If I move on to midfield, I've got four options to choose from, and there's a whole lot of arguments about who the best midfielder in Premier League history hey, is. You said it this year. This is the year of the midfielder for fantasy, so I agree the, with you. This is this is absolutely the year of the midfielder. I'm so glad that people are starting to look at midfielders again as super important roles. But for my three spots to start with in the midfield, I have Paul Scholes, Steven Gerrard, and Frank Lampard. Nice. Everybody always has a debate, regardless of if you're a fan of Liverpool, Chelsea, or Manchester United, about who's yep. better. <laughs> They're all great in their yeah, own yeah. way. They're all great. Uh, obviously, if you're a Chelsea fan, you're going to think Lampard's the best. If you're a Liverpool fan, you think Gerrard's the best. If you're United, you think Skulls is the best. If you yep. take a look at them, they've all had ridiculously great stats throughout their career. Frank Lampard He had 177 goals out of midfield. He made over 600 appearances for Chelsea, and he did it forever. I mean, he came in from West Ham, and there was big doubts about him, especially with his dad playing at West Ham. He was kind of following in the family footsteps, Mm -hmm. made his way over to Chelsea, and he's the fifth highest goal scorer in Premier League history as a midfielder. I mean, that's incredible. That's He he was awesome. He's beating out strikers that – we consider phenomenal and he's got more goals than them. So all around great player, a little bit weird that he decided to go to Manchester city a little bit later in his career, but that's neither here nor there. He was just an all around phenomenal person and a player. Yeah. Steven Gerrard next again, 120 goals in the premier league over 500 appearances for Liverpool. He's known for his long range shots and uh, he got that champions league win with Liverpool Back in, I believe it was 2005, um, a little bit unfortunate for him not getting to win a Premier League title, but yeah, still a great player. Um, I think I think he's a good guy, um, <laughs> but I'll still never forget the time that he uh, came onto the field for, I believe it was 38 seconds or something like that, and red carded Ander Herrera last time they played Manchester yeah, United, yeah, yeah, yeah. and oh, oh. that. 
that was amazing. Um, I think still within my group of friends, I'll lovingly refer to him as Slippy G, <laughs> giving away that title when Demba Ba came in and scored. Oh, that was a rough one for Liverpool fans everywhere. I know anybody that's listening from Liverpool, you probably remember remember <laughs> that one. But still a great player, deservedly in this squad. And then Paul Scholes. My favorite out of the three. Obviously, I'm a little bit biased, but he was so close to making 500 appearances for United. Came in at 499. Has over 100 goals in the Premier League. The guy could pass the ball better than anybody I've ever seen. And I think his trademark was, you know, hanging out at the top of the box during corners and just hitting volleys in better than almost yeah. anyone I've ever seen. I mean, yeah. his goals against Barca, against every in the Champions League, against everybody in the Premier League that everybody knew it was coming and they didn't stop it. And he was just he was fantastic. And he he played for so long, and then everyone will remember that's a United fan or even not, that he can't he retired. And Sir Alex brought him back, came out of retirement, and wow. proved that he could still do it. In that great season where we, uh, where Manchester United had those tablecloth-looking jerseys all the, <laughs> with the checkered pattern. Right. And, yeah. And it was amazing. So I think he absolutely deserves it. And then my last option for my midfield is David Silva. And David Silva is a legend. Yes. No questions about it. I mean, again, like I said with... Vincent Company. He played for Manchester City and he just retired from City, still playing. He's in Spain now, but he's done with City as of last year. And he's just one of the best players I've ever seen in my life. I mean, there's just sometimes you see a player and you're like, wow, I like that guy. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And yeah. he just he he's so classy on the ball. His passing was amazing. He could score, he could assist. And he's been, he was at Manchester City for 10 years. And much like with Vincent Company, that's no small feat, especially when City just keeps spending money on midfield options and you have to find yourself competing with the likes of De Bruyne and Fernandinho and all of the people that Manchester mm -hmm. City have at their disposal. He was always there. Yeah. And I'm really happy for him to have gone because I think it weakens City a little bit. <laughs> but. Me I mean, too. watching watching him was great, and I just it was one of those players that you look at and you're like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. And then I think some honorable mentions in the midfield has to be one of the newer people in the league, Kevin De Bruyne. I mean, hmm, that guy I love, he is a beast. Kevin De Bruyne is phenomenal, and he's he's literally playing a whole different game. I mean, that guy sees a game better than anybody I've ever seen. I mean, he's. The passes that he makes, the goals he scores, free kicks, everything. That, he's phenomenal. And yeah. I'm sure we could go on about it, but why would Chelsea ever let him go? Mm -hmm. um, they had the chance. I mean, if you look back at Chelsea, too, before we get too far off topic, they had sure. Mohamed Salah and Kevin De Bruyne on the same right. team. And, <laughs> and look what happened. They both right. left, and now uh, Liverpool's benefiting and Manchester City is benefiting. So, mm -hmm. Chelsea, what are you doing there? But, <laughs> hey, it's okay. And then I also got to mention Yaya Torre. You said him as well, but in his prime, he was arguably one of the best midfielders in the game. I mean, what an immense talent he was. And I know, I don't know if he's playing anymore. I know he's getting close to 40, so he might be taking one of the uh, older player routes and seeing right. out his career in Saudi Arabia or something. But I just hope wherever he is that people are remembering his birthday. 
Uh, <laughs> do you remember? Do you remember what happened with Yaya Torre in Manchester don't. City? I don't. So Manchester City um, won the title, and two days after they won the title, it was Yaya Torre's birthday, and the club forgot to wish him a happy birthday and got That's him a right. cake. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they didn't get him a cake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I remember that. Yep. He he was so mad, and it turned into a whole big thing where he Just ended up wanting to. He wanted to leave the team because they forgot his birthday. So, any club out there? If you have Yaya Torre on your roster, you put that on your calendar right now. Yeah. <laughs> you get put that, his birthday that, down. Get that birthday cake. <laughs> you get him a cake. You do whatever you want because yeah. I'm sure he's still good wherever he's playing. Exactly. And then lastly, to round out my team, I have three options on my forward line, and they are identical to the ones that you picked. And I think it's hard to go elsewhere, but I've got Alan Shearer. Mm-hmm. Most most obvious pick in the list. I mean, he's the best striker to ever play in the Premier League. I mean, yes. what he did playing for the teams he played for, he played for Blackburn and he played for Newcastle. And he's the top scorer in Premier League history with 260 goals. I mean, that's never going to happen again. He right. just started He started scoring and scoring and scoring, and he just never stopped. He was like Forrest Gump when he decided yep. to start running. Yep. Yep. <laughs> he, just, <laughs> he just started well, running and running. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And then one day he's like, you know what? I'm tired. I'm done. And he's gone. So I think Alan Shearer is incredible. It's nice to see him on TV going to the uh, NBCSN uh, sports zones and all of the like cool things that they do with fans. Yeah, and yeah. yeah so he's obviously on my list. Um, Matt Letizia as well from Southampton. Mm-hmm. He's a lot like Alan Shearer. Scored 100 goals in the Premier League for Southampton. Yeah. I mean, come on. Southampton. He's one of the best things about Matt Letizia, I think, that puts him into this list as well is he was an incredible penalty taker. He was. Only missed one penalty in his entire career. He was 47 for 48 from the penalty spot. And, And it was cool when I was looking into him a while ago. He got a penalty saved in 1993. So first season for it could have been the first or second season of the Premier League. But he got a penalty saved when he was playing against Nottingham Forest, and their goalkeeper said it was the greatest save he's ever made in his life. Because, I mean, when, when would that ever happen again? Right. And it, and it wouldn't. I mean, the guy, if you ever go on, I would advise somebody, if they want to look up who Matt Letizier is, go on YouTube, search yes. his name. Okay. His goals are phenomenal. But deservedly, again, in this squad. And then lastly, the legend, the GOAT, Wayne Rooney. Love Rooney. Oh. Uh, Wayne Rooney is just, he's incredible. He's a legend. There's a lot of back and forth between Manchester United fans, at least on Reddit, where they don't know if he is a Manchester United legend. And he he's a legend. There's he no is. debate. There's That's no debate. Right. Yeah. yeah. He's the all-time leading goal scorer for Manchester United. He's the all-time leading goal scorer for England. He has played in every single position. He's played in every system. He's played alongside Ronaldo. He's played alongside Tevez. Played so every other great player that's come into the squad. He's done whatever the manager has asked for. Hasn't played in striker consistently all, um, the entire time he was at United. He dropped into the midfield. He turned yep. into an, a machine with his passing. The guy is incredible. And people don't forget, like, you can't forget that between 2009 and 2014, he was one of the best players in the planet. Like, finished third, I believe, one year in the Ballon d'Or voting behind Messi and Ronaldo. I mean, the the guy was phenomenal. He's just an incredible player. 
if anyone deserves a statue outside of Old Trafford next, oh, he deserves it. It's gonna be him. Yeah. Regardless of uh, any of the controversy that's surrounded him in the past, I think if you look at him purely on numbers and talent, I mean, the guy, there's there's no one else like him. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be my three forwards. And then for managers, again, agree with you. The absolute goat, Sir Alex. Yeah. I mean, like realistically, who else could it be? There can't be anybody else. There can't be anybody else. Yeah, I mean, if you go online, you see those iconic pics of him, like with the smile, you know, with the glasses during the games, like that. That's that's just amazing. Like he he deserves a statue too. You can't pick anyone else. I mean, and look, I know there's a whole debate, but we're being biased. I'll say this: like, yeah. as much as the other guy had the trophies, I'll take Sir Alex every day of every day of the week over Arsene Wenger. Every day of the week, Sir Alex, like. He, of course, Wenger and Alex were like the two guys, but I mean, again, you know, United could have had all those players with Sir Alex and could have had terrible, you know, luck and all that. Nah, he got everyone and they just went on a freaking like rampage and they, and they state, they sampled their name into like the history of the game, not only our league. Yeah, it was Sir Alex. He was from, uh, he was at Manchester United from 1983 to 2013. Yeah. One of one of the best stats that you could ever look up with Sir Alex is that his entire time managing Manchester United in the Premier League, they've never finished lower than third. Yeah, ever. that's incredible. When has that ever happened? For especially all the years that he's been there since the Premier League started in 92 until 2013. I mean, third place or higher. He won 13 Premier League titles. I mean, come on. I know that yeah. Arsenal had the Invincibles. You can make a case for Arsene Wenger. He was there forever. But, you, I mean, you just can't get better than Sir Alex. Yeah. So, I mean, just a couple of the stats. 13 Premier Leagues, five FA Cups, four League Cups, eight Community yeah. Shields. He's won the Champions League twice. In yeah. total, he's got 38 trophies. Yeah. He, he's averaging more than a trophy a, trophy a season with Manchester yeah. United. The guy is absolutely insane. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't think that there's uh, – Anybody else? Yeah, one more point to that. I think that, and it's sad, I'm sure we can talk about this in another conversation. It's kind of sad, but think about it. Like, he could have, let's say if Strauss was around today, right? Like, he could have won five trophies in the Woodward, Woodward trip said, you know what, man, I want to do a new manager. Like, if you think about it, him and Vanga, like, they were really the last of that generation to be, like, a manager at a club for not three or four years, but, like, 20. Like, today, yeah. of course, you know, it's about money. Even if you win a trophy – you're probably going to leave. But to think about that, he not only won there, but he stayed. And the fans like said, this is our guy. Like he's grandpa, Alex or whatever. Like he stayed. He's not, he didn't go to Real Madrid. He didn't go anywhere. So he was like, you know what? I want to keep winning. And that I think just, I want to read one of it. I think he has a few books. I want to read one about his story. Like no more of his personal life. I think he's originally from Scotland or Wales. Yeah. Yeah. And to think about it, a Scotsman to come to like, you know, a heavily industrialized city in England and then to do that. So cool. But my final point is, you know, like Sir Alex, whenever he does leave, unfortunately, as his life comes to an end, I'm definitely going to shed a few tears. But at the same time, like you couldn't have asked for anything more from him, you know? Exactly. Well, thank you to everybody that's listened to some of the mad ramblings of Manchester United fans <laughs> during, during this podcast. But Hopefully this has provided some sort of entertainment during the international break. I promise you we'll get back to the Premier League soon and we'll make sure that we can keep up with our fantasy lineups and keep our eyes on who's doing well. But it's always nice to take a break, you know, hear some fun stories and 
hear some people Definitely. just talk about the game that we love so much. So Calder, happy Friday. Thank happy you. Friday. Happy Friday. Thank you again for joining me. It's awesome that you're finally on the podcast and we will definitely have you back soon. Yeah. Shout out to Brandon. He has a great show guys. Listen to it. Shout out to Peter Kalmatow and, and quick mention. Thank you again, Peter. You know, uh, if anyone doesn't know this, like when I joined the frat, Peter gave me this amazing gigs, uh, blue kit from, I think the last year they won the premier league for free. And it was such a nice gift and, and, and part of our friendship. It was so kind of him to do, and it still fits me amazingly. But yeah, shout out to everybody. Um, enjoy the soccer this weekend. And Brandon, I can't wait to get on soon. And I hope you and Lexi have a great weekend. Thank you, man. See you guys all next time. All right. That concludes another episode of The Differential. I hope you all enjoyed the ramblings of Calder and I as we professed our love for the Premier League and Manchester United in general. I hope you all enjoy the rest of this international break. And I hope you all join us next time for some more fantasy Premier League talk as we look ahead to the next game week. Thank you again for listening. We'll see you next time.